Courage to Hope with Tony LaGreca is a show supporting the fight for sobriety against substance abuse and changing the stigma that comes along with it. Tony has been helping families, friends, and loved ones discover recovery services as well as coping skills for over six years following the death of his own son to opioids. Join Tony and his guests each week as they reveal the courage to hope. Here's your host, Tony LaGreca. Thank you, Ben, and this is Tony LaGreca, and this is The Courage to Hope. And tonight we have a special guest. His name is Jerry, and welcome, Jerry. Hi, Tony. Um, I'm Jerry. I got clean in a 12-step program. I'm so That's why we're going to refer to you as Jerry for the rest of the evening, and we're not doing out last names, because I know when when you go to AA meetings, it's all first-name basis, correct? Correct. So, Jerry, um, how long ago was it that you decided or you made the big step to become sober? Well, it was in in actuality 19 years ago that I uh, first put down the the alcohol and and the substance that I played with. But um, after about two years, I had a slip and I came back. So I have uh, 17 years today. Congratulations. So what was the... What was the turning point? And let me ask you this too. And what was your life like before you became sober? It was um, it was very hectic. My life was um, my my life was more or less uh, you know hangovers in the morning, <laughs> drinking every yeah. night, um, you know that type of thing. Um, but. Um, I got clean and sober in this 12-step program, and I'm sold on it as a way of life. But but how? why did you end up there? What what, what made you say to yourself, I'm done now. I don't want to do this anymore. So something well, obviously, was there, a, was there a pivot point or something that happened in your life that made you make it, this switch? You know, they say that you should come into uh, this program or go into recovery for yourself. It's a, it's, it's, it's that type of thing. You have to really do it for yourself, but I didn't, I came into because uh, a, a gal that I was seeing at the time had a problem with alcohol and I could see that it was causing her great damage. And she had reached a point where um, I brought her in to um, crisis one night. And, uh, and at that point I decided that I wasn't going to drink anymore because I knew that if I did, she would. So I did it for somebody else. But whatever gets you here, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever gets you here, you've got to do it for yourself at some point. Okay. And for someone who's maybe an alcoholic and they've never been to a, to a session, tell me about the first meeting that you went to and what, what, what act, you know, without just what, what goes on so that, so that makes you feel comfortable. Well, people basically speak about their, uh, you know, they share their experiences, their strength, their hope, um, you know, and, you know, I, I attend meetings and I go to commitments, you know, I share my experience, strength and hope at a meeting. Uh, but my experience is my past. My strength is my present for the hope of a brighter future. You know, if I'm vigilant and I keep things in the day, then I accomplish two things. I use my past experience to advance my progress in recovery. And, um, you know, my peers in recovery share their experiences of successes and failures. Now, the knowledge gained helps me grow um, in the physical, psychological, and spiritual realm. You know, it strengthens my foundation for a more rewarding existence. It's a process, you know, uh, but such is life. You know, hey, we all possess the attributes for good and bad, but which do we feed? Which do we nourish and sustain? You know, if we take the programs, the lessons learned, and we practice those principles in all our affairs, our defenses against mishap strengthen. You know, we begin to see more clearly the errors of our ways and how to suppress the very nature of our addiction. We're all creatures of habits, and strong, healthy habits will always be the best defense against the pitfalls of temptation. I like to say that life is like a painting. It's our canvas. We choose what we put on it, guided by the hand of God. That's very well said. Do we, um, <clears throat> and in the beginning, did the, your loved one, did she stop drinking right at the same time you did? Yes. Um, she went into, um, 
she went into a, a, a treatment center uh, for a short period of time. And, um, and I visited her in there. And uh, when she came home right away, I had already established a foundation at meetings. And we went around to different meetings and I introduced her to people. And, uh, and, and that's how we got acclimated into, in, into that. And um, naturally, when I had my slip and I went out, you know, we, we always think that we don't hurt anybody but ourselves, right? But we do. We hurt all the people, all the loved ones around us, right? So when I went out, she went out. And uh, it took a little while to get her back on the, the beam, but um, she did. You know, yeah, if you want to be successful at anything, Tony, you got to do the work, right? We know that. The only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. You know, we can put the drink and the substance down and life will, and, you know, life will get better. We'll start to heal physically. Uh, but spiritual growth is predicated on step work. If we practice the program's principles and all our affairs, we'll, regre we'll regain the confidence and to live life on life's terms and feel good about ourselves once more. So you're talking about the 12 steps now that that AA provides in most of their programs, correct? That's correct. So yeah. that was just that was number one that you just uh, pointed out. Yeah, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and our lives had become unmanageable. That's that's the first step acknowledgement, right? The willingness to do something about it. You know, another thing that I do is I, I, I pray daily. I have a good relationship with my creator today. You know, I think that prayer is one of the greatest tools that we possess. And I wrote a prayer that I recite every day. Would you like to hear it? Yes, I would. The prayer goes, my creator, my spiritual father, all powerful, I praise your name. Your will is mine. Guide me in the direction that you choose for me, that I might be an extension of your hand and conduct myself accordingly. Grant me your daily blessings to serve your will, not mine. Please forgive me for my failures and shortcomings and give me the insight and compassion to forgive others. Free me from my resentment and open my heart to your love. Strengthen my defenses against the evils that present themselves that you may take me home in your moment of choosing. That's good. And you, you created, you grew up I wrote, that. I wrote that. Wrote yeah. That. Wow. That's very good. Now, how many meetings do you go to a week at this? Now you've been 17 years sober. So how many meetings a week do you go to? I still go to about three or four meetings a week. Um, I have two two home groups. Um, I go on commitments. Um, what I does go, that mean? You, what does that mean? You go on. I'll go into I'll go into detox facilities and speak. Um, I'll go into prisons and speak. Um, I'll go um, to other groups and 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 share there as well. So you're really giving back everything. You know, and uh, because you're so sober, and you know how wonderful it can be on on that on the other side. We get uh, this by we get this by giving it away. We keep this by giving it away. Okay, so now let's say I'm I'm in you're in the prison, and I'm listening to you, and I'm there because I committed a crime or I've been sectioned. And um, how would how will you approach these? Now, is it all male prison when you go um, into the prison? Is it? it, it yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so how, how will you approach the group? I, I assume it's the group like uh, I've done it before with people a section. But right. And, and usually have I, I used to have 60 to 65 guys in my group. Is that how many you're speaking to? Um, roughly. Some, some, sometimes roughly. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to make sure people understand it's not four or five guys sitting around right. the table. This is a this is a whole room full of guys with the DOC jacket on, right. you know, um, you know, Department of Justice jackets, DOJs. So, um, tell me how you how do you approach I make, I that? I make them I make them aware that we all have pasts, but we're not defined by them. You know, our past doesn't doesn't define us as individuals. You know. Um, it's what it's what we're doing today that 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 makes the difference. You know, I write poetry. I think um, I, I've written quite a few poems on recovery. And no, I, I want to hear a few of them in a minute. So okay. we're, we're going to give you that opportunity because I I know that's one of your skills in life. Yeah. We definitely want to hear it. Well, you know, if 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 somebody's listening here and they're new to recovery, 
you know, I wish them the gift of stay and the serenity to keep it in the day. Uh, remember that your environment is a direct reflection of you. If a person doesn't like the way things are going, all he needs to do is change. And his environment and his surroundings will change to reflect him. You know, I was asked the other day why I continue to go to meetings after 17 years, uh, a day at a time. You know, if my disease is gone or at least in remission, my answer was simple. A simple law of nature is that we become what we think about most of the time. And if I'm thinking recovery and I'm working on recovery, my chances of doing so are much better. You know, also the gift of sobriety and self-help becomes stronger as we share that message with others. I want to emphasize the power of prayer and meditation as I did before. By itself, it can heal us physically, mentally, spiritually. It's the greatest tool we possess. You know, when I was actively self-medicating myself and doing the bad things that were happening in my life, I never looked within. I always assessed blame for people, places, and things as the cause. Only after a searching and fearless moral inventory did I realize that it was self-inflicted. I know that to drink or drug today is to lose tomorrow. I know that the past cannot be relived, but amends can be made and burdens can be removed. You know, I never achieved my full potential. I see that now. Not so much what I lost, but what I never attained. But I've been given an extension on life, the chance to pass on a message of love and hope. And my goal is not to change the world, but to live in it, to be a contributing factor. Very good. Do you, uh, do you interact with them? Do you ask them any questions or is it just you talking to them? It's basically when, when, when we go in that they, they, they don't allow that interaction. So you, you, you basically speak and um, sometimes in, in some of the, in some of the facilities, people can come over and talk to you after you've spoken, but in most cases not. Yeah. That was the same with me. Yeah. Yeah. So um now, in those 17 years, obviously, you've had some dramatic things happen in your life. And we know that you had a fire at your house. Yeah. And the woman that you are about to marry in about six months. Correct. Um, got, got badly burned. And how is it that, you know, during that time frame, did that strengthen you? Or did that make, did you feel like you wanted to to break apart and go out and drink? And because the, the whole thing was stressful for everybody right um and for you it was even more stressful you know, how you know, did it take it must have taken an awful lot of self-discipline and and desire to get past that point well you know, i like to say that when i was active i lived my life by by default all the while thinking that i was making the decisions in actuality alcohol was making them for me you know uh, but when I got sober, you know, I realized that life doesn't, you know, life doesn't get perfect. It most certainly gets better. But problems, challenges that life deals with still happen. It's how we deal with them today that changes. You know, on March 7th, 2010, as you alluded to, we were, we were, my gal and I were burning branches in our backyard. and We added gases and accelerant. It exploded and, Di- and Diana caught fire. She was med flighted to MGH in Boston she with a 94% third degree burns and um, she spent 419 days in Mass General and Spalding Rehab seven times they told me that she would die they told me that if she did survive that she would never be able to walk or use her arms and hands to feed or bathe herself and that if she lived her quality of life would not be good you know but I followed the lessons of this program Tony like a roadmap. And I kept it in the day. And I pray to God, and that's my higher power, asking only for his will and the power to carry it, carry on. Asking for the kind of miracle that he had done with my addiction. You know, I attended meetings and asked for prayers at night. I knew that if she came home, me, you know, coming home to a drunk would only compound things. So once again, our prayers were answered. She recovered both physically and spiritually. And that's been realized. And how many, and for the audience to know, how many surgeries has she had? Oh, uh, too many to count. Um, she's had over 100, 125 surgeries, so procedures, they call them, but they try to do more than one surgery. Um, she finally stopped 
going in for, um, you know, where they do the, she had all the grafts initially. Her body is totally, totally grafts. But she got, what happens is it constricts. So they have to do releases. And um, she tries to, uh, today she does a lot of physical exercise, Zumba and things like that to try to stay fit so that she doesn't have to go in for those because going under the anesthesia is never a good thing. No, and for those, I I knew Jerry from way before this interview, let the audience know, and, and I was at the hospital and I saw um, his loved one under that situation. And as he, as he said, she was 97% third degree burns as far as I could see, only her head and the bottom of her feet were, were not touched. And I feel today she is an absolute miracle. And I'm a believer that if you have the right mental attitude, and she definitely had the right mental attitude. In fact, today, she is one of the most upbeat people I've ever, I've ever uh, been involved with. She's, she doesn't hold any grudges. She has this great approach to life. And uh, I, I just... Every time I've seen her in the past, that's about four or five years ago now that she's been out of the hospital. And she was in a coma for almost a year, was she not? That's correct. Yeah. She well, yeah. she was in a coma for uh, for about four months. And um, and I would go in and I would, uh, I'm a salesman, so I would call on my accounts either in, you know, I'd see her in the morning or I'd see her in the evening when I came back from calling on accounts. But I saw her every single day. She didn't see me because she was in that coma, but I would pray with her and I would, um, I would, I would sing to her. Um, and the nurses would come in and say that you know, they thought it was also, uh, they thought it was so cute that I was singing to her and stuff. And I said, no, you don't understand. I need, I'm trying to wake her up. I want her to tell me I can't sing, but she always would tell me when I would hum or sing something, go, you, know, you, can't, you know, you can't sing, right? So yeah. it was funny because the day that she woke up and opened her eyes, I had was singing her song, singing her a song that I had written. And she goes, you know, you can't sing, right? And the nurses <laughs> thought that was so funny. Yeah, I'm sure they went. And then she said, go get me a Coke, make yourself useful or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, she couldn't drink Coke right then and there, no. <laughs> no, I know, but she's... But she, she had, that's, yeah. it, but it's an, it's an amazing story. And then... Yeah, uh, because her story is so amazing, and she's alive and gone through all this, and and the both of you have been able to stay sober um, is is even more amazing. And um, and she's now she's been out on the Burn Institute, right? And she's done. Yeah, um, she's doing speeches, or she does something. She visits, she visits patients that um, she visits patients in in three different hospitals. Um, and um, she's doing most of that on Zoom now because ever since the outbreak, mostly everything went to Zoom. But um, she visits with patients. Um, she takes burn um, people that are burned and creates survivors like herself. She is my superhero. She really yeah. is. Um, and we went out and did talks on um, on on the dangers of adding gasoline as an accelerant. And we went out and talked about burns and recovery and all of that stuff. Um, and we did quite a bit of that initially in the beginning around the country. We actually went to Vegas and did a few talks, but um, we don't do so much of that anymore. But um, ever since, you know, COVID's put a, put a damper on a lot of different things. Well, and, and that's okay. You're, you're getting older now and yeah. All that travel is probably kind of a wear and tear on you as well. This is um, true. But even when you traveled, you still went to meetings, right? That's correct. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. And, and you know, meetings are the same all over the world. It's funny. You know, we, 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 uh, we went to meetings in Tennessee. When we went to Tennessee, we went to meetings in Vegas. We went to meetings um, in, in all different places. And, and they're all the same. They're all the same. People um, helping people. And I went to one in Hawaii on Waikiki Beach. Wow. And and it was 630 in the morning, you know, and uh, yeah. and it was quite inspiring just to be there, you know, to, to be at this environment with the beautiful ocean and the guys doing the um, 
doing the uh, surfboarding and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I could see the, the, the ring of people in there, there every single morning at 6.30. Um, yeah. Now, they, I, I noticed, and it's okay to mention this, I guess, that when you go to a meeting, they call it the Friends of Bill. Yeah, Friends of Bill W. Yeah. Bill, Bill W., is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. And is, is that the founder of the original AA program? It is. Bill, Bill and Bob. Yeah, Dr. Bob and Bill W., and so what are the, some of the other 12 steps that you have gone through? Can you start? Can you give me a start from number two? Um, well, I, it, you know, it is, it is, it is, a, it is kind of an anonymous program. So I don't know if I should, if I should really get explicit on, on the program itself. Um, but I, I would definitely, um, advise people that they should attend meetings and go to meetings and they would learn more about this, you know? So that's um, how they should start with the 12 they steps. Should, they should start going to a meeting and then you get into the steps. You know, you find a sponsor, uh, you get act, you join a group, you get active in the group. Um, and, um, and then you, you, you work the steps with your sponsor. Yeah. And it, it what it, what it is, is it's like, you know, Addiction is a funny thing. You know, when I was active in my addiction, I was caught in this trap of denial. You know, I saw the world as an adversary and I drank to appease that. You know, um, I was carrying around a bag of rocks, Tony. You know, I had all these things that were that were that were weighing on me. And what what happens is when you do the steps in this program, you, you're taking rocks out of those out of that backpack and you, you lighten that load. Because you're living today for today. Um, none of us are promised tomorrow. We can't do anything about what happened yesterday. I remember once, um, and I think it was you, you were reading a book in the now. And that's in right. the present. That's in the present. And that's exactly what that means. It's in the present. Uh, that's the way right. we, have to, we have to live our lives, you know. It's, I the power, the power, it's the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. There you go. Yeah. 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 It was yes, very, I've, very good. Yeah. I've actually given that book away probably to a dozen people in the past five years. Somebody yeah. that's, that's struggling. I, I, I get order the book and have them sent to their house. Um, yeah. So let's, let's hear one of the poems before I get into the next phase with the, you. I'd like to hear one of these poems. That, that, okay. The, the first one I wrote, um, I call the enlightenment and for obvious reasons, right? Um, and it goes like this. The problems I encountered in life, they were grand. They were loopholes and detours and all I had planned. I had no solutions to these things that arose. They left me dejected, stressed out, not composed. I created a life of sadness and pain and sedated myself with alcohol, which to refrain. I realize now that I lived in the past. Fearful the future was arriving too fast. If we live in the present, we control our own fate. Of this, I am certain I have no debate. By changing ourselves, our environment will change too. It's a reflection of us our whole lives through. Today, to be a part of the universe in touch with all it entails, I'm at peace with myself and content I'll prevail. Each day brings new challenges to embrace and explore, to seek out new goals in which to deplore. Meditating each day, I find myself in deep thought with all the good fortunes existence has brought. Very well said. Now, I, I understand that you're going to give back even more to the community. You're out. You're now getting educated to become a recovery coach. <clears throat> I'm working on that, wherever that takes me. I am going to school right now uh, to be a recovery counselor. And um, I believe that, um, you know, there's other uh, opportunities to help people there, you know, um, and I don't know where it's going to take me, but um, education is never a bad thing. No. And, and let's let the audience know how old you are and you're going back to school, which I think is also very impressive. So you want me to tell you how old I am, right? Well, I can say I'll, I can. I know how I'll old be, you are. I'll be 66, the 26th of this month. Okay. So. I mean, I think that's 
you say you're never too old to learn. That's that's pretty good. You're going back to school and you have to get like uh, to be certified. You have to get so many credits. Is that how it works? Yeah, there's um, there's there's seven classes, uh, three semesters. You have to do uh, uh, 300 hours practicum. What practicum is, it's actually working in a detox or uh, a place like that. Um, and of course, you pay for all of this stuff, but um, but then you get a certificate. Um, a degree is a different story. A degree is like six thousand dollars. That's like we're talking years there, you know. Um, but the certificate is, um, you know, it will get you will get you uh, employment in one of those places, you know. And when I retire, uh, I work for myself right now. But when I when I retire, um, I, I want something to subsidize my social security. Um, so, and it's something rewarding, something I enjoy doing is helping others. So, well, I think that um, you've already got a master's degree in the program without having the six thousand hours or the three thousand hours because you've been to many thousands of hours of meetings and and practical experience. And we yeah. know nothing nothing can compare to to the everyday experience. They, they say if you do 10,000 hours of anything, you become an expert at it. Well, I think in the last 17 years, you put in 10,000 hours quite easily. Yeah, I, I, I definitely dedicate a lot of my time to, to recovery, but it's not so much, it's, it's, it's not so much because, I mean, obviously I want to help others, but like I said, like I mentioned earlier, we keep this by giving it away. So, um, you know, it's it, it helps me as much as it helps others. Well, that's I, I totally agree with that. You know, um, what about sponsors? Do you I've, I've heard that people that are going to AA, some people have a sponsor, some people are a sponsor. How does a sponsor sponsor program work? Um, when you, you know, people in the program will ask you to sponsor them and um then you go through the steps with them and, 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 and you, um, and when, you know, it's always good to have numbers, someone to call, someone that you can bounce things up off of someone that you trust. Um, I, I sponsor about seven people right now. Um, I, um, I've gone years without sponsoring anybody. And then, you know, if someone approaches me and asks me to sponsor them, then, um, then I try to help in that, in that respect. Um, I think everybody in the program should have a sponsor. You would recommend that if somebody is new to the program, that they should seek out somebody that they can um, talk with and feel comfortable with and ask them to be their sponsor. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, this is, this, this is a program where, um, you know, it's people helping people, um, you know, trying to do this on one's own is not the way to go because it doesn't work. You know, you need, you need, you need a higher power. First of all, you can't be your own higher power because all my best decisions got me here. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, you need to have someone, you need to have someone that you can speak with. You need to have a group that you can bounce things off of and, and, and listen to the message, you know, and share your experience, strength and hope. Now, when you're, the sponsor, do you get phone calls at all kinds of times of the day or night? You can. You can. It doesn't usually happen that way, but you can. Um, there's, you know, someone will call you and say, you know, they're having difficulties. Then, you know, you can talk it through with them, take them to a meeting, uh, help them out. Um, you know, but um, most of the, you know, it, it's. I, I think that, you know, life itself is about balance. You got to have balance. You got to have balance in this program, too. If you want to stay on the beam, you got to have balance. So um, you have to attend meetings. You have to get involved in the program. You know, um, there's people that go in and 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 they'll they'll read the slogans on the wall and they'll sit there and they're there in body. but They're not there in mind. That's all right at first. If that's the only way you, you you can get in, if that's the only way that you can be there, as long as you're there, sooner or later, it's going to get you, you know. Um, but 
we call that off the wall sobriety. You need to be involved. Mm. You know, you need to be involved in the program. Get get a position, even if it's a, a door greeter, greeting people as they come into the meeting that night, making coffee, cleaning up after the meeting. You know, um, become involved. Get uh, get some tasks that you can do to to be part of that group. Join that group. Get a sponsor there, and and and. And I believe in working the steps. I mean, the steps are so important, but that doesn't come right away. That's, you know, you don't just dive in all of a sudden and you, you know, you go one, two, three, four, five, six to 12. You know, that doesn't work that way. You come in, you put the, put the alcohol and the substance down. And the old timers used to say, you know, take the cotton out of your ears, put it in your mouth, go sit over there and listen. I'm not, I'm not that bold to tell people that that's, I don't think that's the right method to be honest with you, but that's the way some of the old timers were in the program. You know, they were like, you know, and, and there is some truth to that. You need to listen. You need to absorb. You need to not compare with the speakers in the room, but relate to them. You know, you'll see your story in other people. You know, if you listen long enough, you'll hear it. Someone will tell you a story. So there are meetings morning, afternoon, and night, correct? There's the three times a day in a lot of areas. Yeah. So if you, you decide you want to go to a meeting at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, the chances are you can find one somewhere? You'll find a noontime meeting every single day. Um, there's a 7 o'clock meeting in the morning. Um, there's meetings at night starting at 5, 6, and 7. Um there's meetings all over. There's plenty of meetings in New England. You know, New England has a ton of meetings. You can How go. How do you find them? Um, there, actually, there's a, there's a meeting book. So if you go to one meeting, you can pick up a meeting book, and there's a meeting book. There's also an app on the phone. It's called the Chair App, um, and it'll tell you. It'll go by days, and it'll give you. You can put within 50 miles, within 25 miles, within 100 miles. It'll give you all of the meetings that day and all of the times that meetings are held. Every it's day of the, the week. the chair app. It's the chair app. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, uh, one word. Um, I'm not exactly sure how to be honest, I don't I've got it on my phone, but somebody at the meeting put it on there for me, so I don't know how they got there. But I can let you know more on that if uh just yeah, I I, I have a feeling you just go to the you know, put a, go to your app store and yeah. put in the chair app and probably yeah. it'll yeah. it'll show up, you know. And, it's a picture of a chair on the app. And, and Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that'd be pretty simple. I think if anybody's really looking, they'll find it. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great idea. So it's time to hear another poem. Um, I call this one The Gift. Um, as I look upon life and the passing of time, I'm inclined to believe it's a gift. We're all given one package to do as we please, but the contents you'll find has no list. For the directions you take and the choices you make may lead you to fortune and fame. But if you sit back and wait and you leave it to fate, you'll surely be sorry it came. Unwrapped and exposed, it's a beautiful gift. It constantly needs to be tended. Like a garment that's worn each day of our lives, it sometimes needs to be mended. The secret you'll find is not when it came, or how much time has elapsed through the years, but rather the fit that's been tailored each day and the honor that's felt as it wears. I think you wrote that a while, a while back. This one I wrote, I think I wrote The Enlightenment first, to be honest with you. No, I know, but I thought I, I, I saw that. that I might have said it. I don't know. I, I, uh, I, think, I think you might have years ago. Yeah, and uh, and for the audience to know, we we used to be salespeople, and we we worked together for the same company for many years, and uh, and that that's how I know Jerry. And uh, even though he's very involved in his thing, I'm very involved in my thing, and we've definitely got to the point where we're both doing the same approach. We're helping others, and uh, my addiction, which I'll mention, is is gambling, and it's been a real challenge in the past three months with everything because I love sports and every sporting event that I watch, like they, there's constantly fan duel and, and this, this MGM and this one and that one. 
trying to get you to bet on a, a basketball game and who's going to win by how many points to the first quarter, never mind the game. You know, exactly. yeah. they, they, they break the thing down so that the point is it's, you know, and it says on the little fine print, if gambling is your problem, call this 800 number. I have a feeling that gambling is going to be a lot of people's problem because, <laughs> because um, you can win a race, but you can never beat the races. And a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money going forward. And otherwise, FanDuel wouldn't be spending millions of dollars advertising if they didn't intend to make a profit. And so in the sport, DraftKings is the other one that seems to be constantly in front of us. And I, and I would assume that if you go out to a, a fair, like a, um, like you're going to have a wedding soon, are you going to have a non-alcoholic wedding? There's actually, there's going to be folks there that drink. So they'll, they'll be a bar, but it will, they'll have mocktails and they'll have uh, we made sure we told them the majority of the people that are going to this thing are not going to drink. So, uh, but they're still going to have, uh, uh, you know, people that want to drink can drink. Um, I don't have issues with that today. Um, I can go, I can walk into a restaurant. I used to pick my restaurants on the booze they sold. If you tell me you wanted to go somewhere and I knew they didn't have a bar there, we weren't going there. I'd say, no, I don't want to go there. It's not that I didn't like the food. It's that there was no alcohol. Um, today I can go to, a, I can go to a restaurant. I can sit at the bar and eat. I had someone tell me, they said, you know, how are you able to do that? And I said, well, you see all those bottles? And they said, yeah. I said that those are all dinosaurs. Today. This is like a museum. You know, I'm looking at those bottles. I've drank most of that stuff. Um, I've got, you know, I've been there, did that, got the t-shirt. I don't need, I don't need it. I don't need a, I'm here to eat. You know, this is the only place that we could eat. I'm fine with that. You know, and I've had people that said they don't understand how, you know, I ruined it for myself. Somebody told me one day I was sitting there and then they said, you ruined it for yourself. I said, what do you mean I ruined it for myself? They said, well, you know, now, you know, you were fun when you drank. I said, you saw me at that point. You didn't see me at the end of the night. You saw me at the beginning of the night. Yeah, I was fun. I said, but, you know, the highlight of my night wasn't drinking. That isn't what it was all about for me. You know, and somebody asked me, when did you cross that line? With me, Tony, I don't think there ever was a line. I think I drank alcoholically from day one because I didn't, I drank for effect. I didn't drink to socialize. I didn't even know what that was. I don't even understand that concept, to be honest with you. And most alcoholics don't, you know, um, I drank for effect. I drank to get high. I drank to cop a buzz, but I drank way past the buzz. So. It was never good, you know. Well, some people drink to be numb, right? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. And the same thing with gambling you you gamble to to get the endorphins out when you when you win win the race or win the game, and you know. And and I know what you're sitting at the bar. It's like me walking through a casino. Uh, I I can't I uh, if if I put on the like the World Series of Poker on TV. After ten minutes, I would hyperventilate. <laughs> That's yeah, because because I want to be I want to be the guy in the chair in the car, you know. Yeah, and 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 I understand that. I know that feeling, and and um, I I the way I get around that is I is I I I keep busy. Yeah, keep busy so I don't think about that, you know. And it used to be that you you only had to protect yourself between seven and seven thirty because that was the time you could call a local bookie. And and after seven thirty, the lines would close, you know. And now they never close. They never close. I mean, you you can vote pretty soon. You know, you'll be able to bet on the presidential election next term, and and you know, senators and and Congress people in different districts. Never yeah. mind betting on the Celtics or betting on the Bruins, you know. So now you get all this other stuff to deal with, you know, and so. Um, and that's another thing. It takes away from the game. It's 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 like that. It's not about sports anymore. It's about the money to, to be made on sports, and and I don't like that. You know, I think that anytime money becomes involved in the equation, there's corruption there. You know, because oh yeah, you, you know, greed. Well, the other night the Celtics were playing Minnesota, and they had a four point lead, and the spread was exactly four. 
And I only know that because it was on the, it was on, it was in the, when I checked the uh, CBS sports, it actually puts in a little thing in there, minus four, minus three. So, you know, but then there was a 1.5 seconds left in the game and the Celtics were up four and the other team got the ball and nobody was even paying attention. Yeah. They were, they were, uh, they weren't even paying attention. And the guy gets on the floor with one second, throws up a 35 footer and it's a three point shot. And the Celtics end up end up winning by two. So now they lost the spread. So everybody that stayed up three and a half hours till what twelve thirty at night and they bet on the Celtics, they lost. Yeah. You know. Sometimes it helps me to know that. Yeah. Because because it's just it's so it's so it's so out of control. You you have yeah. no control over what's gonna happen. Yeah. And it and it's just it's just a uh it's a super gamble. And that's actually why they call it gambling. And you know? sometimes you wonder if it's predestined that way. I know. Well, I, I do find it amazing when sometimes the Celtics have got a 20-point lead and the spread is four or three. At yep. the end of the game, it's there's a three-point difference. Yeah. It's like it's like, how do they know? You know, they yep. seem like they, they come up with it. It's so close all the time. Yeah. So Absolutely. it can flip either way. Yeah. And the house always makes 10% no matter who wins. That's right. So that's all they care about, you know? Yeah. So, so what have we not discussed that you want to share with them? I have one audience? more, I have one more poem that I, this is my latest poem. This is the last one that I okay. wrote. You want all to hear right. it? I do um, want to hear it. It's called the good and the bad wolf. The good and the bad wolf that resides in my mind. The good wolf is loving, gentle, and kind. The good and the bad, they both exist there. The bad wolf, he lives on resentment and fear. They both are in conflict to gain in the lead. The one that will succeed is the one that you feed. The knowledge you gain in this program to share and will strengthen the good wolf in times of despair. So focus on the good that you can do for today. And that in its actions keeps the bad wolf at bay. Feed on the wholesome good things in life. There are lots. Discard the negative, bad, evil thoughts. The creator is the solution. If you seek, you will see. The answers you need to the problems that be. His methods and his actions, though not always understood. The wolf he responds to is the one that is good. Very good. Now, how long does it take you to think of these poems? I I usually, when I meditate, um, when I sit in a quiet place and I meditate, I that's when I usually come up with my poems. I um, I didn't even know that I could do that, to be honest with you, until I really started practicing meditation. Um, prayer and meditation, I think, is so important in some ways. You know, you got to find something to fill. Like you said, you know, you don't think about gambling, right? You, you think about something else, right? You, 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 you put yourself in work rather than gambling. I put myself in other situations rather than, 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 you know, I fill the hours with something productive rather than non-productive, like I was doing when I was drinking um, and, and helping others. Like I said, trying to help others. And, you know, if, if someone is new looking for recovery, listening to this podcast, I, I, I strongly suggest they start, uh, you know, attend meetings um, and, and, Give it a try because this 12-step program really works, um, you know, and, and it doesn't, you know, they don't, they really don't, they don't tell you, you know, if, if, if you're drinking and you go to a meeting, they're not going to throw you out. They don't throw anybody out the door. Everybody's welcome, you know, come and sit and learn, listen and learn. And, and um, I, I think it's very, very important um, for one's, um, for one's peace of mind, you know, for one's serenity. So, so let me ask you, so let's say I'm the spouse of somebody who's an alcoholic or somebody who's drinking constantly. And of course, and they're in total denial, but I want them to get into a program. If I just said to them, um, let's go for a ride, let's go to a meeting together and if they, to get them to come. Is, 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 you know, is that one of the better ways? How, how you know, like that's, that's people- actually, that's very good. That's actually very good. If it's an open meeting, you got to make sure first of all, it's an open meeting. If 
it's an open meeting, family. What does that What does that mean? An open meeting. Open means that anybody can go. Uh, closed meeting means that it's alcoholics only. So there's some people that don't feel comfortable sharing outside of of the program, and they won't share in an open forum. Um, and so we, they, I I believe that's why they have closed meetings. But um, open meetings, anyone is welcome. And a lot of the meetings are most of the meetings are open, so family members can go. And, and, and it's absolutely, I mean, here's the thing, Tony, we can't get anybody clean and sober. If we could, I would have done that for everybody that I know, because I know plenty of my friends have passed that I wish I'd gotten this. Um, if I could have changed, if I could have, if I could have gotten them sober and changed the, the, what they were doing, but you can't do that. You can't jump into somebody else's skin and, and make them do things you want them to do. And it's funny because this Father Mott, if I don't know if you've ever heard of Father Mott, he did some talks. He said, you can't, you can lead a horse to water and you can't make them drink, but you can make them thirsty, you know? And that's what we try to do, make them thirsty, you know? If you want this, you can get this. And what about Al-Anon? Do you have any comments on Al-Anon and what you'd recommend for us? A spouse or, or a Al Anon is a good place for, for, for spouses to go because they'll learn about the disease. And some of the things that they think they're doing accurately may not be the way to go. You know, I mean, they obviously want their spouse or, or their better or, or, or their other half to get well, but but they they may be going about it all the wrong way. So I do think I do believe that that's that's good. It's education is always a good thing, and that's going to educate them on the disease. What about a parent now? Do you um, where where do you fall on tough love? Um, yes and no. I <laughs> I can answer that question two ways. Um, I I believe that uh, I believe empathy is just as important as tough love is. Um, not sympathy. Because, you know, um, sympathy is totally different than empathy. Um, if you can show somebody that where you're coming from and, 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 and that your, your actions are to their benefit, if they're willing to listen. Once again, you can't, it's almost impossible to get inside somebody's mind and make them think the way you want them to. We can't do it. It's just not possible. Um, but if we can sit them in a room and get them to listen and learn and, and it, there's a chance, you know, and that's, that, that's all we can hope for. It's, it's, it, it, it's, they call this courage and hope, right? Courage and to hope. Yeah. Courage to hope. Okay. So, you know, um, the hope is a big part of it. The hope, the hope that, you know, that, that they get this before it gets them because with some of the stuff that's, I mean, my, 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 my drug of choice was alcohol, but if somebody laid out lines, Tony, I did Coke. If somebody, if some, you know, I, I ate speed so that I could get up the next day and, and function. I ate speed so I could drink more in the, the in the evening, you know, uppers were my thing. Um, but the, the, the dangers of what's out there today is, is, is phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's not gotten any better. It's gotten worse. And these oh, yeah, people, the overdose know, list on people with the, cause if you're taking cocaine or, or anything that might be laced with fentanyl yeah, and uh, one, one, one bad batch and you could, that would be the end. That's it. And you don't know whether you're getting a bad batch or not. And that's one of the reasons why I, I do these shows just to make people aware, you know, that yeah. the one, the one thing that I want to point out to our listening audience, because a lot of our listening listeners are parents of a child who, who is into alcohol or opioids. And now in, in Jerry's case, um, I actually thought, cause I knew I've known Jerry for, I think 35 years now. And um, I thought he would never stop and never turn around. I thought the whole thing was mere impossible. And here we are 17 years later 
and I'm happy to say as my friend um, that he's he's done it. You know, he's 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 done the walk, done the talk, and he's doing he's doing everything he said that he could do, and he's done it. Uh, I know he's he's a, mentally a tough guy, so uh, once he makes up his mind, he's he's pretty strong at things he believes in. But uh, so don't give up the hope is what I'm saying. If you have a child or you have a spouse that's that's uh, or even a sister or brother that you're trying to help, don't give up because sometimes when it seems the darkest is when the light will shine. And I think that um, Jerry's a living example of that. And we want to thank him immensely for being on the show today and talking about his ride. And we appreciate that, Jerry. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Okay. And um, again, it's, you can get at AA meetings and the, um, the app is called the chair. Uh, is that correct? But usually, yeah. yeah, usually in, in any city or town though, the, the, a lot of the meetings are in different halls at the churches and stuff. And um, you, you should have no problem finding a place to go to a meeting. It's, once you get to one, you then the rest will open up to you real fast. And that, that's the key is just get to that first one. Tell yourself you're going to do it. You know, you don't have to convince yourself you're going to go sober, but just tell yourself you're going to go to a meeting. You want to know what the good life is like, because that's what it's like. Because I'll tell you, waking up with a hangover day after day isn't so great. Uh, you know, yeah. and um, there's there's definitely so, so many downsides, you know, and uh, I've worked trade shows where people have come by the booth and actually bought something and asked me the next day why they had this slip in their pocket because they didn't even remember buying the goods. And, um, and that's, that's what happens. Sometimes you have blackouts and you have, and it's dangerous. And then you could kill somebody while you're driving the car and you're going to lose your license for months, years, maybe forever. You know, there's so many downsides and a lot of upsides if you get sober. I right, thank you again, Jerry. And uh, thank you, Tony. And this is uh, Tony LaGreca, and this is the Courage to Hope. And we'll see you all next time. <laughs>